0: ready for the word praise the Lord well I'm ready to preach I'm more than ready (laughs) glory to God amen so in Genesis the eighth chapter and uh, we're going to look at verse 22 and then we're going to go over to Mark chapter 4 and look at verses 26 through 29 now father we thank you indeed For this glorious day, for this is the day that the Lord has made, we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. So, Father, we're not just here to show up for church, but we're stirred up. We're stirred up about the kingdom of God. We're stirred up, glory to God, about seed time and harvest. Father, we thank you that this Thanksgiving holiday will be the best we've ever had. For we declare that our best days are ahead of us. Our most glorious days are ahead of us, individually and corporately as a church. And so, Father, we thank you that your blessing is upon your people today. Your blessing is upon the word of the Lord today. We open our hearts and we become receptive to what you would say to us today. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Genesis, the eighth chapter. And the 22nd verse says, while earth remains, well, it's still here. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Amen. Now turn over to Mark chapter 4 and let's look at verses 26 through 29. I want you to pay particular attention to seed time and and harvest. Or you could say it this way, sowing and reaping. Mark chapter 4, a very, very important set of scriptures, which is the parable of the sower sows the word. But notice with me in verse 26 to verse 29, the master said this. He said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Well, number one, we know the seed is the Word. Number two, we know the ground is our heart. And he says that's what the kingdom of God is like. And that man should sleep and rise night and day, and, should, and the seed should spring up. He does not know how. The thing about it is you don't need to know how. Four, glory to God. The earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and then what? The full corn in the ear. Now notice this. But when the fruit has been brought forth, that's your harvest time. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. Now turn in your Bibles to Galatians, the 6th chapter, and let's look at verses 7 through 9. Galatians, the 6th chapter, verses 7 through 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Read verse 9 with me. And let us not be weary in well-doing For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now notice with me in verse 7 again, the word mocked is there. Verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. That word mocked carries with it this meaning, to turn up the nose at something as if mocking or laughing at a person. The idea here is someone who is so full of pride and so full of disdain for the law of sowing and reaping that basically they're saying, come on now, surely you don't believe this stupid principle of sowing and reaping. Well, our God is not mocked. No, no matter what people say, no matter what secularism says no matter what religious people might say, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And Paul is addressing the church of Galatia, and he says, I don't want this kind of unbelief, I don't want this kind of doubt to worm its way into your thinking. Paul is saying here, That whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This is not just talking about tithes and offerings. This is saying, if you sow love, you'll reap. If you sow patience, you'll reap. If you sow kindness, you'll reap. If you sow forgiveness, you'll reap. If you sow money, you'll you'll reap. If you sow bitterness, you'll reap. If you sow strife, you'll reap. Whatever a man soweth. Now the word soweth there means a perpetual sowing of the seed. It does not just mean to sow once in a while or on occasion. But the word soweth means to sow steadily, to sow consistently, and to sow faithfully. And the promise of God is is that you will reap A harvest. So, whatsoever a man consistently, faithfully, and steadily soweth, he shall also reap consistently. He shall also reap because God is faithful. He also shall reap in a time of famine, because the seed is in the ground, and the seed is working, and God is working, for He is faithful to watch over His seed to perform it. Amen. Amen. So, the word for reap then is If you sow and sow and sow and sow, you shall reap and reap and reap and reap habitually. Now be a doer of this. Not just a trier of this. Do not mock God by saying this does not work. It does work. But it doesn't work for triers. It works for doers. And I believe I'm looking at a crowd of doers. In other words, this has got to be a way of life for us. The level at which we sow determines the level in which we shall reap. If I sow inconsistently, I am going to reap inconsistently. If you sow regularly, (laughs) hey, you shall reap regularly. Galatians 6, 7 could be translated this way. It remains true that whatever you regularly and habitually sow, regardless of what it is, that is exactly what you will regularly and habitually reap. And in verse 9 he says, don't grow weary while doing good. If you're sowing your seed habitually, you're doing quite well. Do not grow weary while doing good. This means don't faint. Don't quit. Don't give up on your faith. Continually sow. Continually water. Continually praise. And you will continually reap. Amen. So Paul then warns us. And he warns the church of Galatia. Don't get weary. Don't become faint hearted. Because due season is on its way. And due season is almost never when you want it to be. That's why he says, in your patience, you will possess your souls. That's why, well, I don't know, Paul wrote Hebrews, we think he did. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have sown your seed, you might receive the promise. I have need of patience. You have need of patience. Now, when another person's re- when another person reaps a harvest, get happy. Rejoice with them. You see, your harvest time isn't necessarily my harvest time. Even in Israel, on the lowlands of Israel, certain harvests would come at certain times of the year and in the high altitudes of Israel they would come maybe a month sometime two months later whatever your season is rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice get happy with those that are happy get on the dance floor and do a little dance praise God for someone who gets their harvest if you're looking for a job and your harvest has not come yet rejoice with with someone who just got theirs if you're believing God for certain something and they get theirs before you do get happy and know this that God is no respecter of persons and what he has done for one he will do for everyone that is if we're not deceived that is if we continuously sow we will continuously reap and not faint hearted. Say with me, I'm strong, I'm strong in, the Lord in the Lord and in the power, in the power of, his might. of his might. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. The last thing you want to do is faint. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is give up. I got a word for you this morning, heart of the bay. Don't quit. Amen. God's on the throne. You may be tempted to quit. But I'll remind you, there's no temptation taking you but such as is his common to man. We've all been tempted to quit. The difference between quitters and winners is winners never quit, and quitters never win. But in the middle of the temptation, understand this that God is faithful and he will bring you through. Now, this morning, I want to take an in depth look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I want us to look in depth at this letter that Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was in the southern part of Greece in that particular day. It was in the region of Achaia. The Macedonian church, which Paul is addressing here, was from the northern part of Greece, which was basically made up of churches like Thessalonica made up of the Bereans, and made up of the Philippians, or those from Philippi. And so Paul here is addressing the need that is in Jerusalem at that particular time. Jerusalem is struggling. And the Macedonians brought a tremendous offering to the church in Jerusalem. And the Macedonians, in fact, were so afflicted by their deep poverty... Because the Roman Empire had come in and literally ripped them off, spoiled them, and took all of their goods years before. So the church of Macedonia is hurting. But the Apostle Paul is commending the hurting church. And he is exhorting the church at Corinth. By the example that the church in Macedonia has set. So there's the background for chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And I don't know whether we have the English Standard Version or not, but I want us to look at it in the King James Version because we do not. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, say it with me, I'm ready. ready. To learn learn. and to be a doer of the Word. word. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. This is such a great example of... For you and I to follow as a local church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. He says moreover brethren. So who is he speaking to? He's speaking to those that are in Christ. We do you to wit of the grace of God. Bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So up front I want you to see this. That when we're talking about giving. Grace is involved. There is a grace involved in your giving. Did you know that it is a gift from God to be able to sow? I'm going to say it again. It is a gift of grace for you to be able to sow your seed. Oh, glory to God. Now notice here was the circumstance in Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, how in the world can a church that in the natural realm is impoverished have abundance of joy? How can they get happy about their sowing? I'll tell you how they can. And i tell you how you can If you're going through a difficult time financially, it is not the time for you to stop sowing your seed. Whether you're sowing it here or in another ministry or in another charitable organization, make sure that you sow your seed and do it with a smile on your face. Now here's what it comes down to. If your God is mammon, you'll always be wearing a frown. You cannot serve God and mammon. If your God is money, honey, I got news for you. There ain't no real joy in the house. You'll never be able to give out of a great spirit. But if your God is the God of the universe, and you know that mammon is under your feet, if your God is the God who raised Jesus from the dead, you can sow your seed with a smile on your face. Well, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Woo, glory to God. Say it with me, mammon is not my God. The people that are having ulcers today over their 401k and their 403b's and whatever Wall Street is doing, those people that are having ulcers have got the wrong God. And if you're a Christian and you're worrying about your money, I got news for you. The God who raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. Get an attention shift away from the problem and place your attention and your affection on El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Oh yeah, He'll come through for you. Oh yeah. Hey, I'm about to speak in tongues. Shikala basatai. Verse 3. For to their power... I'm a witness. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive this gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did Not as we hoped. In other words, we didn't expect this. But first, here's what they did. They gave themselves to the Lord and then unto us, oh glory to God, by the will of God. Here's what I want you to see. And let's bring this down to where we live. The Macedonians gave in two ways. First. They gave according to their ability. In this sense, that their gift wasn't very much. But they gave according to their ability. You see, I cannot give according to your ability. And you can't give according to my ability. Understand that. That it's not about a competition on who can give the biggest dollar. Secondly... Since they had a heart to give, and this is the motivation for sowing and reaping, it's got to be in your heart. Since the Macedonians had a real spirit of giving, what they did is they gave into the proportion to the little that they did have. And the Bible says they went beyond. I said, and they went beyond their ability. Now let's quickly look at Luke 21, and you don't need to turn there, stay right there in Second Corinthians 8, but bring it up right here. I want to remind you of the woman and the widow with two mites in Luke the 21st chapter and verses 1 through 4. It says, and he looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of these have of their abundance casted into the offerings of God. And notice, but she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had. How much did she give? She gave it all. We could say that she could have kept one mite for herself. Because she had two. A mite was copper coins. It wasn't worth much in that day. But she could have held back one. But she gave beyond her ability. And she gave them both. What was the difference between her and the rich people? The difference was, is her heart was in her giving. And you know, it's very important that we never give out of duty that we never give out of pressure, that we never give out of need, but we give out of the motivation of a pure heart. We can learn something from this widow. She gave two mites. And the same principle was happening to the church in Macedonia. They didn't have much to give, but they wanted to give it all. And they saw it as a privilege to give. And understand this. I'm not asking you to give it all. I'm asking you to stay open to the Holy Spirit. And whatever He says unto you, do it. True Christianity. True generosity. Everyone say generosity. It cannot be measured by how much one has to give. And I've discovered this. Often, those that have less are more generous with what they have. Those that have little have understood the principle of sowing and reaping. But it's not giving to get. It's sowing out of a heart because they have been there. They know what it's like not to have groceries in their home they know what it's like to go to Goodwill and buy their clothing for their children and oftentimes people that are in these circumstances are not people that are irresponsible but they have been crushed and they have been hit by what's going on in the economic landscape of this nation and by the grace of Almighty God these, how many of you have been through some stuff? And how many of you have a great appreciation that you're not going through it anymore. You're on the other side. But you, ha- oh, Shandai you haven't forgot from whence you came. And you're ready, willing and able to sow whatever you've got. To help somebody else. And that's where the church at Macedonia was. And I believe that we are going to grow in this as a church. Can we do more? You bet we can. Will we do more? By the grace of God, yes we will. Now why were they such tremendous examples of giving? Because number one, they gave themselves to Jesus. And until a person really gives themselves to Jesus, they'll never seek first the kingdom of God. Because it's His kingdom. And unless you give yourself to him, you'll not be interested in expanding his kingdom. But they gave themselves to the Lord, number one. And then secondly, they gave themselves to the apostles. In other words, they gave themselves to the leaders in that time and that day. And they submitted themselves to them. I find this. That a real Christian will give themselves to God. And then they will submit to a local church whatever local church God leads a person to go to, that they will submit to the vision of that local church and they will do their level best to see the kingdom of God advanced. Thank you for those three grunts and two holy amens. See, in giving, the real issue isn't giving money. It's giving yourself to God. Are there areas of our lives that we have withheld from the Lord? Well, certainly there are. Will the light of His Holy Spirit show us what those areas are? Well, certainly He will. The question is, will we yield to Him? So if we have freely given ourselves to Jesus, then the right kind of giving and a spirit of generosity is just going to flow. Back to Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. Are you still tracking with me? Second yes. Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. It says, Inasmuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you this same grace also. Basically, what this is saying is the church at Corinth, a little over a year ago, expressed their willingness to do the same thing that the church at Macedonia did. But they hadn't done it yet. And so Paul sent Titus to drop by. And Titus was there to collect the offering and then to bring the offering to the church in Jerusalem. Now notice in verse 7. Verse 6. We desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. Everyone say grace. He's talking about the grace of giving. Verse 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything. Heart of the Bay, we're abounding in many areas. We're abounding in faith. And he says to the church at Corinth, you're abounding in everything. In faith, in utterance, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in even the love of God toward us. And he says, see now. That you abound in this grace also. Verse 8. I speak not by commandment. But by occasion of the frowardness of others. And to prove the sincerity of your love. Paul is using one of the most powerful words. C-H-A-R-I-S charis, charis. It means grace. It means favor. It means kindness. You that are filled with the spirit are charismatics, full of grace, (laughs) full of favor, full of a spirit of generosity. And he says, look, You have abounded in being filled with the Spirit. Yes, you have utterance. Yes, you can speak in tongues. Yes, you can move mountains. But I want you not to forget this part of charismata, which is a spirit of giving. Shall we move along or just go home? (laughs) Now when I see a believer who is truly generous, everyone say generous. God's begun a great work in that person's heart. Giving is getting involved. And giving demonstrates a work of grace in the heart. And my giving and your giving Should be like God's giving of grace to us. How did he give Jesus? Freely. Generously. Abundantly. He said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. Will be saved. And that's how our giving should be. It is not. In the arena of mechanics. But when you move move over into grace. And grace giving. It goes from mechanics and pressure. To dynamics and liberty. And freedom. Paul. Now listen very carefully. I will never command anyone to give. It's not my place. You're welcome to come to this church. If you never give a penny. But you'll have to talk to God about that later. And he might talk to you about it later. But you know what? I'm going to love you regardless. And this pastoral staff is going to love you regardless. Paul, he's not commanding anything. He is not commanding the church at Corinth to give. Because Paul knew that giving from commandment isn't giving at all. Giving from commandment and under pressure in those days was called taxation. Your tithe is not a tax in this place. It's a work of grace in your heart. You giving over and above 10% glory to God is a work of grace. Now, just to drop a little stat on you. In the Old Testament, they gave beyond 10%. You look at all the festivals and all the different things. I mean, it got up to about 25%. Now, if we give less under grace, (laughs) I don't want to put a, 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 a band of legalism on you. But what I want you to see is there is liberty in Christ Jesus. And you need to start somewhere. Your starting point might be 5%. I don't know. But your heart should be, Lord, it's yours. And I'm willing to give it all. Now, this is pretty darn good preaching. (laughs) Excuse me for using the word darn. That's just one letter away from the other. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. Must be the other guy. (laughs) So Paul said, look, I'm testing. I'm testing your sincerity. By your love and by your diligence to fulfill what God has put in your heart. And so he openly compared the giving of the Corinthian churches to the giving of the Macedonian Christians, testing the sincerity of their heart. Verse 9, are you ready? Amen. This is a good verse here. For you know, look at your neighbor and say, you know, you know. I know. I know the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich. Yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Verse 10, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have become before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, So there may be a performance also of that which you have. First, if there be a willing mind, it is accepted. Now listen to this. According to that a man has, and not according to what a man does not have. Let me give you some advice on your giving. Follow through on your previous willingness. Good intentions must be backed by actions. You know, one might give a million dollars, and I pray it happens several times. Amen. One, may, one person may give a million dollars and yet not give enough. Another may give one dollar and be giving with tremendous sacrifice and generosity. That's what I want you to see. True giving is measured by obedience, proportion and need, not by amount. Look at verse 12 again. Read it with me. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to man has and not according to To what he has not. Your reward for your giving is based on your willingness, not on your wealth. And so it's Thanksgiving time, right? What are we going to do over Thanksgiving? We're going to have ourselves a high heel time. But I want to remind you today that our sowing and our reaping is dependent on how thankful we are in our heart. Later today, when we give the offering, not much later, relax. (laughs) Or you bring your tithe to the Lord, what you're saying is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're saying thanks to God for what he has done. You're saying you're the most high God. You're the possession of heaven and earth. You are the deliverer from all my enemies. You are my redeemer from the curse of the law. Once I was impoverished, but now I am blessed of the Lord coming in and going out. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And the blessing of the Lord makes me rich. And he doesn't add any sorrow with it. Give out of a thankful heart. Glory to God. Now, here's a trap that Satan sets. Some people say, well, I earned this with my own hands. Who gave you your hands? But I started this business with my own mind. Who do you think, duh, gave you your mind? Everything you have. Listen, if God removed his grace, we'd all wake up imbeciles. (laughs) If God removed his hand from us, we might as well head to the graveyard. You know, it's in him we live and we move and have our being. Oh, hallelujah. Take a deep breath. Now praise him. Some of you didn't get it. Take a deep breath. Now praise him. Ha. Ah. Ah. Ha. You know, I've been anemic before. And I know what it's like not to breathe very well. I'm not anemic now, but I've been there. And it was tough to breathe. But I still got on the treadmill. I thank God for what breath I had. Glory to God. Don't despair on what you don't have. Get happy about what you do have. And I'm so thankful that today... By my God, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. (laughs) Woo, glory to God. By my God. Not by my own strength, not by my own ingenuity, not by my own education, not by my own good looks, but by my God. I can run through a troop I can leap over a wall. I know people in this congregation have had cancer before. and They were down temporarily. But even in their midnight hour, they praised him for who he is. Even in their midnight hour, they praised him Because they were Jehovah, he was Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth them. Even in your midnight hour, praise him. I said, even in your midnight hour, praise him. Paul and Silas gave thanks unto God. The Bible said that the prisoners heard them. Make the devil hear your praises. Make the devil hear your speaking in tongues. Glory to God. Shove it right back in his face. <laughs> hey, glory to God. He's under your feet. He's under my feet. Sobra satai, So when you're at your weakest, he's at his strongest. Hallelujah. Never forget the stronger one lives in you. Stronger is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Yeah, people today with living testimonies. Alberti's husband, Tony, healed by the power of God. One dear sister that just went through a round of chemo. Glory to God. Went out and ran a marathon. That's running through a troop. Plus, she's out winning souls. She goes out and wins souls by the dozens. Hallelujah. You got no time to be down in the mully grubs. You got no time to go to bed and pull the sheets over your head. You got too much life left on the inside of you you got too much to live for. you got too much to praise God for. Isn't that right, Don? Glory to God. That's right. Hallelujah. 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 At midnight, you, Come on. they sang. Hallelujah. And they didn't sing one of those hee-haw songs. <laughs> they didn't sing one of those country western songs where the dog left them. And they stole his pickup. No glory to God. The Bible says they sang. They sang hymns to God. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy with Jesus than to trust and obey. Yeah, up there in the prison, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. My back might be beaten, but my spirit will never be broken. They may me put me in this prison, but I'll tell you what, by the grace of God, this prison is not in me. They may have given you a bad report, but glory to God, whose report will you believe? We will believe (laughs) the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. You may have been knocked down, but by the grace of God, you're never knocked out. Because when you get up, you're smarter, you're quicker, you're brighter, your sword is sharper. And when he comes around for you, You give him a piece of the word of the living God and put him on the run. That's right. How did we get there? (laughs) Be thankful. (laughs) Be thankful. Yeah, but I got one leg that's not working so well. How's the other one? Doing pretty good. Well, glory to God. <laughs> yeah, but I got one organ that's under seas. How are the rest of them doing? Fine. Well, glory to God. So give him glory. And consider not your own body. Even as the father of faith as of old did. Do not weaken. Nor become faint hearted. When the circumstances of life precede you, but rather give glory to God, but rather be strengthened with might by my spirit in the inner man. And as you give me glory, that's what the Lord is saying. That which is not right shall turn around and become right. That which was weak will become strengthened. That which needs healing shall become healed. That which is lacking shall know the abundant grace of God. For in Christ Jesus, through the righteousness of faith, we reign as kings in life through the grace of Almighty God. Come on, somebody. Let's shout and give Him praise. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You might as well just jump in. Thank God. So, so thankfully. Give cheerfully. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, the Bible says he loves a cheerful giver. You know why? Because he himself is cheerful. The word cheerful in the Greek is hilaros. We get our English word hilarious. The Bible says he loves a cheerful, hilarious giving whose heart is in his giving look at 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 if you would so now thankfully but also so expectantly so thankfully and so expectantly some people say well that sounds real good As soon as God gives me money then I'll start giving no God says wrong doesn't require any faith you give first, you prime the pump, it'll stretch your faith and watch what happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He said, but this I say, he would sow sparingly, shall also reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully, shall also what? Verse 7. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a what? And God, let's read verse 8 and 9 together. And God is able to make all grace abound toward me, so that I have in all sufficiency, in all things, may give into every good work. As it is written... He has spursed abroad; He hath given to the poor and his righteousness remains forever. Verse 10, read it. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and will multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I don't know whether we realize what he said there. He said that as we sow our seed with a thankful heart and with an expectant heart that He will multiply our seed sown. But not only that, He said He will increase now the fruits of our righteousness. Now what does that mean to Heart of the Bay? That means the more that we sow generously, the more souls can be saved. The more that we sow Generously, the more disciples can be disciplined by the Word of God. The more that we sow, the greater influence we will have in the Bay Area and in the world. Increasing the fruit of our righteousness is a spiritual matter. People being healed, people being filled with the Spirit, lives being changed, marriages being put back together. Drug addicts coming off of heroin. Crack addicts coming off of crack. People that were on the brink of poverty and destruction being revived and revitalized. That is a fruit of righteousness. And that's what's to take place in the local church. This is not a social club where Lord just bless us for and no more. This is not a place where we come to get happy. Oh, the preacher preached real good. I did a little Holy Ghost two-step. Thank God for it. But that's a byproduct of what the church is all about. The church is about growth. The church is about his kingdom. And yes, I believe that your seed will be multiplied. But I believe the harvest can come in many forms. It can come in the form of a relationship. It can come in a multiplied, numerous amount of ways. So I just dropped by to say, heart of the bay, make sure you keep on sowing and sowing and sowing so you can keep on reaping and reaping and reaping not necessarily drive a cadillac or drive a porsche or live in a great big mansion but you'll be able to reap a harvest which will enable you to be not only blessed but to be a greater blessing is that all right today you receive the word thank you lord